0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: Once again, you are welcome to this morning's service. I want to thank God for what He has been doing and continue to do in our midst and we trust that his hands will not be short; that he will not be able to reach us this morning but our lord will be able to visit us at the very point of our needs in jesus name now since the beginning of the month we have been looking at the connected life this is the study of the fruit of the spirit which every believer is supposed to exhibit as they grow in christ and we started this particular series by looking at the connection at the need for connection we talked about the necessity of connection and the reason why, and you know that the reason why a Christian has to be connected to the Almighty God. Because as long as you are connected to the Lord, you now have the life of God flowing through you. The next thing we began, we looked at next was the fruit of that connected life. When you are connected to God, what is the fruit that is result? What is the result of that connection? We looked at what constitute the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about the misconception people have about the fruit of the spirit and finally we explore the reason why people find it very difficult to be able to not just develop but exhibit the fruits of the spirit okay and last week we took a dive into what we call the challenge of love the challenge of love we looked at the various description of love in the scriptures, we looked at. We see how you know we, we explored how they differ one from the other, and we talked about why people are confused about the word love because of the confusion that they, because of the association that they place upon the love that the scripture is giving and the and the various description of love that we explored. We closed our time together last week by looking at the challenges that we as Christians have in this particular in this in this particular society at this point in time to be able to demonstrate love to a world that does not even understand the meaning of the love of god we said that the challenge of love for the church is that we must demonstrate love in our own little corner so that the world will see that yes the love of god is flowing through us that the love of god is in our lives and then is flowing through us that was where we stopped last week Today I want to start by reading the book of Second Corinthians, chapter thirteen. Second Corinthians, uh, uh, chapter thirteen. Sorry, I think it's First Corinthians, chapter thirteen. Reading from verse number five. The Bible tells us that you see, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? okay in other words Paul the Apostle is saying in that verse of the scripture that we should do what is called self-evaluation okay to make sure that we are still doing what we are supposed to be doing as Christians to make sure that we are still connected to the source of life to make sure that we are still you know our life in Christ is still what it's supposed to be he said I check you know he said "I." He, he, Paul the Apostle is saying check to make sure that my, your focus is still on the right thing check to make sure that your desires, your motivations are still properly aligned with the desires and motivation of the one who has called you to himself. Why do we need to do this? We do it because it is very easy for us as individuals to miss the mark. It is very easy for us as individuals to begin to stray away from the things that we're supposed to be doing. It is very easy that where you don't begin to recalibrate when you don't begin to refocus, when you don't begin to begin to align yourself again, it is very possible that you begin to veer away from the one, from the direction that you're supposed to go. And that's why Paul the Apostle himself, in the book of First Corinthians, chapter 9 reading from verse number 27 that's to tell you the kind of emphasis that they placed upon recalibration the emphasis that they placed upon re- self examination in first corinthians chapter 9 reading from verse number 27 the bible tells us there he said but i discipline my body i discipline my body and i bring it unto subjection lest when i have preached to others i myself become disqualified in other words paul is saying i am not taking anything for granted I don't want to be the preacher who will preach the word of God and then end up in hell. I don't want to be the preacher who will tell you to do something and end up doing exactly what I'm preaching against. I don't want to be a kind of preacher who will be the person taking care of the souls of others while neglecting his own particular soul. So he said every now and then there is a need for him, for us and for the church to reset. There is a need for us to be able to sit down and recalibrate, to make sure we are still in tune, to make sure that we are still in step with what God is asking us to do, to make sure that we are keeping the main thing, the main thing. Because it is very, very possible that while you are busy doing one thing or the other, the real thing that God is calling us to do, The real life that God wants us to begin to live, there is a tendency, a strong tendency that when we are busy in one area of our life, we might end up neglecting another area. And so today, I want us to pause for a second and recalibrate. You know, I want us to pause for a second and take a look at ourselves and begin to ask ourselves and set and and reset all the activities that we're doing to understand why we are doing what we're doing. To understand what we are doing as a church, to understand what we are doing as an individual, to understand what we are doing as a family, to be able to find out what is the reason why we are here. And I said the reason for the calibration is because there's a tendency for us to forget to do what we are supposed to be doing. We have a tendency to be distracted. That's why we are recalibrating. We want, and we only have just one week. I think a couple of five, a couple of uh, days left for this month. The question, we're, you know, the, the question we want to be asking ourselves is: How are we doing? Are we where we plan to be at the beginning of the year? How are things going for us? Okay. Spiritually, are we still in tune with the voice of the Almighty God? Are we still hearing him the way we are supposed to hear him? Are we still still doing what what we are supposed to be doing? Do we still know why we are called by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we still know why we are in the church? Do we still know why we are Christian? Do we remember the reason for our faith? Do we remember the focus of our faith? Do we remember the focus of the Christian life? That is basically what I want to be dealing with this morning. These are the questions we need to ask ourselves every now and then so that we can continue to enjoy our walk with the Lord. So that our walk with the Lord will always be fresh and not be stale. There are so many who have gone away, who have gone astray, out of the way of the Lord, but they do not even know. You know, there is an analogy that I normally use. Many of us who live in the Western world might not even appreciate it. We probably experience it every now and then when there's a heavy storm or there's a tornado warning. Maybe that's when we experience it. And that is what is called power failure. Okay? Where I come from, it happens more often than not. You know? And what you find is that there is a use, there is a particular material, uh, equipment that we use back home then. We have what is called a ceiling fan. Okay, a ceiling fan when it's rotating and it's rotating and the lights is on, power is running and the ceiling fan is on. You see it's rotating and blowing air. When if you don't have your light bulbs on, but you have the fan going, you know that the electricity is still on. But by the time you have power failure, what happens is that that particular electric fan does not stop spinning immediately. Okay, it does not stop spinning immediately. It keeps on spinning even when there is no longer power. It keeps on spinning. The only thing is that the only time you will know that the power is gone is when you allow when you watch it for a while. You will now see that the power the, 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 the speed of the rotation begins to slow. It begins to slow, it begins to slow until it eventually comes to a stop. And that is what happens in the Christian life. When you are connected with the Almighty God. And the power of the Almighty God is flowing through your system. It's flowing through your life. You are moving and you are exercising the gift and the fruit of the Spirit. Things are going on very well. You are enjoying fellowship. You are enjoying communion. You are enjoying the things that God's power has made available to you. The question is that if you don't maintain that particular relationship, if you don't maintain that connection, there is a possibility that you might sever that particular relationship. And what happens is that there might be what is called a spiritual power failure when that spiritual power failure happens, it does not, light does not go out immediately. You will still be able to perform what you're doing. You'll still be able to do what you're doing. But at the end of the day, you will now realize that as time goes on, you will realize that there is no longer a source. You are no longer connected to the source. That was what happened to Samson. If you remember the story of Samson, the Bible says that Samson will wake up in the morning, the very strong man, mildly highly anointed of the Almighty God. He will pick up the gate of the Philistines and carry it out. He will kill bare hands, single-handedly, he will deal with your deal with the enemy. But the Bible says that. He kept on pushing the anointing of the Almighty God until the day came when the locks that represented the presence of the Almighty God in his life was was shaved off. And when it was shaved off, the Bible says that he woke up the next day still believing that the anointing and the power and the presence of God was still there. That was what he thought. The Bible said that he woke up and he shook himself as a time of old, but he did not know that the spirit of the Almighty God is there. I pray that that will not be our testimony in Jesus' name. So that is why we ask ourselves this question. That is why we need to recalibrate. That is why we need to be able to test our connection. To make sure that we are still connected to the source of life. So this morning I want to consider the focus of the Christian life. So that we will be able to help us to always remain in constant relationship with the source of life. Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, we want to start reading from verses 1 through to verse number 13. Sorry, through to verse number 3, sorry. Hebrews chapter 12, reading from verse number 1 through to number 3. Wherefore, seeing also, we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and it is set down, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinner against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. Hebrews chapter twelve is a great chapter on focus. Paul the apostles, presented Jesus to us as an example of someone who had a laser focus on the purpose and plan of God for his life. The Bible says, "See, are foreseen also we are encompassed with a great cloud of weakness. Let us lay aside every weight. In other words, everything that might be a source of distraction, everything that will not allow us to be able to run a focus race, anything that might be able to pull us apart. Paul the Apostle even went as far as saying that any easily be certain sin in other words any area the tendencies in our life that draws us to a particular kind of sin he said make sure you put it aside and run the race with patience he said and as you are running that particular race with patience he said make sure that you are looking unto jesus the author and the finisher of our faith okay because because this particular and he gave an example of our lord jesus i said this same jesus endured a lot of contradiction but he never lost sight Of the reason why he came to call, you know, why he came to save and to deliver us. Mm -hmm. Why is Paul the apostle giving us this particular this particular example? Why is he giving us that example? He's giving us the example because he understood one very simple fact, and that fact is that Satan's goal for the life of a believer is to break the focus of the people of God. Because if he succeeds in breaking your focus, he succeed. he is it is possible for him to truncate that person's destiny. All you have to do is to take that person's attention away from what he's supposed to be looking and focus that attention just a little bit away, and before you know what's happening, that individual might not be able to fulfill his destiny. And we'll look at it in the scriptures. We we'll look at it in the scriptures. The enemy understands that our focus is a function of what we see, okay? What we are looking at, determine, you know, what what your focus is a function of what you are looking at because you cannot be focusing on something where you're not looking at it, okay? So your focus, what you focus is, 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 is is determined by what you see and what you see is a function of your perception. In other words, our perception is a function of what we are focusing on. Your perception in life is shaped by the way, by what you spend time focusing on. If you focus on the evil and the wickedness of people, there is a tendency that the perception that you will have about people is a perception of wickedness. If you focus on the goodness of people, the tendency is for you to now begin to see all men as being good. So our perception is a function of our focus. And then our perception you know, our, fo- our, our perception also, you know our perception also determines the kind of things that we pursue. In other words, how you perceive life will determine what you will spend your time pursuing. If I see life as a place of opportunity, What happens is that I will step out and see if I can take hold of those opportunities. If I see the place as being wicked, if I see life as being being against me, there is a tendency for me to react in that same way. So our pursuit is a function of our perception. Now let's look at the scriptures. Genesis chapter 3, reading from verse number 6. Genesis 3, reading from verse number 6. The Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and a, tree, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did it. And gave also unto her husband with, the, with her. And he did it. And he did it. Now, I want you to notice from that verse of the scripture. The Bible said that when the woman saw the tree. In other words, the things that Eve saw. The tree has been in the garden for a very long time. It's been there. But until the, uh, until the attention of Eve was drawn to that tree, and then she began to focus on that tree. The Bible said that when she saw the tree, all right, her, her focus was not directed on the tree. It was when she saw the tree, now her perception of that tree changed. The Bible tells us that the woman, where the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. In other words, this was the same tree she was looking at. This is the same tree she's been looking at every time. And I'm sure she probably went past it to gather fruit or gather vegetable that she prepared for Adam. She went past that tree every time until the day that the devil said, why don't you look at this tree? This tree is good for you. And then her focus changed. The way she saw the tree change. Her perception also changed. And because her perception changed, the Bible says now she now took the fruit of the tree and did eat it. That tree has been producing tree. It has been producing fruit all along. The truth, the fruit probably must have gotten some of them must have, have gotten overripe and they must have fallen to the ground. And she never picked it until her focus changed, which changed her perception, which changed her pursuit. When your focus, what you focus on, determines what you. your perception, your perception will determine your pursuit. What she saw changed how she saw it, and then begin to affect the way she behaved. Let's look again. The same trend that happened to Eve is the same thing that happened to a number of people in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Let's look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, reading from verse number 1. The Bible tells us there, and it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go to battle go forth to battle, that David sent Joab, his servant, with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still in Jerusalem. And it came to pass in the eventide, that he arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof of the and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was beautiful to look upon. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came unto him, and they laid with her for he was purified from her uncleanness and she returned unto her house now look at the same trend david saw the woman from the roof of her from the roof of and uh, from the roof he saw a woman washing herself she saw this he saw this woman and as soon as he saw this woman her peace, perception changed and as, as soon as the perception changed, what happened was that the, the action of David, it influenced, the perception of David now influenced the action of David. The Bible said that she saw the woman was very beautiful and now sent men to go and get her. Mm-hmm. You would think this is restricted to the Old Testament. Look at the New Testament also. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, reading from verse number 28. The Bible says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come on the water. Yes. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down, come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sing. He cried, saying, "Lord, save me!" And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hands and caught him and said unto him, Oh, thou of little faith, why, why do you why did you doubt?" Notice the same trend. The wind was already boisterous when Peter was in the boat. Okay, the wind was already there. There was a lot of storm that was going on already when Peter was still in the boat. If The wind was still boisterous when Peter spoke to Jesus. The wind was still boisterous when Peter asked Jesus that, Can I come to you? If it is you, let me come. The wind was boisterous when Peter took his leg out of the boat. The wind was still boisterous when Peter was walking on the water. But the Bible makes us to understand that as soon as the focus of Peter changed, Moved from Jesus Christ to the sea. What happened that the the, the senses of Peter now kicked in. Peter realized men don't walk on water. And what happened? He started sinking. When he saw, his perception changed and his pursuit was affected. It affects everything that you do. As long as your focus on the Almighty God is not distracted, as long as your focus on the Almighty God remains sharp, as long as you are focusing on what, you know, on what is most important, what God has called you to do, what you will find is that you will, const- you will be able to walk with the Lord consistently. But as soon as there is a deviation, as soon as there is a diversion, as soon as there is a little tilt away from the Almighty God, what happens is that we will start sinking. What the believer focuses on is very important to the Christian life. Okay, a broken focus will cause us to start thinking like Peter. A broken focus will start making us to backslide like David. A broken focus will make us to rebel like Adam and Eve. And I pray that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. Our focus is a function of what we see. Please keep that in mind. Our perception is a function of what we see or what we focus on, and our pursuits is a function of our perception. Please let's keep that in mind. Now, the question that I want to ask us this morning is, why do people fail? Why do people fail? Why do Christians fail? Why do people start out believing that God is able to do all things and then end up in a place where they believe that they are the one who can do all things, that God is no longer God anymore? Why do we start out the journey, the Christian journey, all excited, trusting God that God is able to do all things, and then we now turn at the end of the day, we begin to doubt the presence of the Almighty God and believe that we can do it by the arm of our own flesh. Why do we do that? It was Mike Modok, Dr. Mike Murdoch, who said that the main reason that people fail is because of broken focus. He said the main reason, if you check everything, when companies rise and they become very popular and they become very strong and they become very, you know, very influential, he said they they begin to decline when they lose focus on what is important. The same thing that happened to corporation, the same thing happens in the life of an individual, it happens in the family, it happens in the church. The main reason why people fail is because of broken focus. As believers, we must be clear about some of the basic questions that keeps us in the line of faith. We must be clear about the basic question. We must be certain about the certain question and have those questions settled in our hearts. As a Christian, we must be clear about why God saved us. You must be clear why you were saved. You must be clear how you were saved. You must be clear for the reason for your salvation. You must be clear about the purpose and the, you know, the purpose of the of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. We, are, we know what is going on in the mind of God when he decided to save you. You must be clear about the purpose and the focus of the Christian life. You must be clear about it because if you're not clear about it what will happen is that you will begin to pursue the wrong motive you begin to pursue the wrong things why are, why are we as christians you know why are we, what should what should be the purpose of the christian life what is the important thing in the life of a believer you must be able to settle those questions you must be able to settle those questions. As believers, we must be clear about the basic question if we want to be successful, if we want to successfully walk with the Almighty God. We must be clear about the questions of our faith. Why must we be clear? The first reason is because the devil is going to challenge your faith. The devil is going to challenge your faith. You say you believe in God, you say, fine. You believe in God. Yes, I agree with you. You believe in God. But it will put trials in your way. If you are not settled on those questions, you will definitely be challenged. Your faith will be challenged. Not only that, why must you be focused? Why must you understand this question? Number two is because the world will question your faith. The devil will not only challenge your faith, but the world will question your faith. They will question what you believe. They will question why you believe. They will question how you believe. They will question the validity of your faith. Yes. So, we must, the world will question our faith. That's why we have to be settled on this question. Not only that, your, your situation will distract you from your faith. If you say God is able to do all things, and there is something you have been praying about for a year, for two years, for three years, for four years, there is a time when your heart will begin to play tricks on you. And say, does God really hear and answer prayer? Does God really exist? And then all this kind of question will come. If you are not settled... On the basics of your faith, the situations in life will distract your faith if you don't take time. Number four, why must you be settled in your faith? You must be settled because our flesh will doubt our faith. Our flesh will doubt our faith. You are believing God for healing. You are believing God for deliverance. But you find out that the same particular kind of sickness keep coming back. Keep coming back. The same issues keep coming back. You have been asking for deliverance. But the deliverance is not there. At one point in time, your flesh will say, Are you sure you believe in God or you are actually just deluding yourself? Mm-hmm. Your flesh will doubt your fate. But most importantly, God demands that you be settled on these issues. And that was why he told spoke to us in the scriptures. He said, I said before you today, life and death. He said, choose life that you may live. You know what God is saying? Make up your mind what you want you want to do. Stay, you know, make uh, take a position. Take a stand. Okay? Don't begin to go back and forth. Don't begin to don't begin to vacillate. Don't begin to go back and forth as if you don't know what. Don't begin to waver on your faith. God wants, God demands that you know exactly what you focus on. That is why it is important for us as Christians to know the essence of our faith." The question then is, what is the essence of our faith? What is the faith all about? What is a Christian faith all about? Why are we even in this particular Christian business all the way? What is the Christian faith all about? To answer this question, you must understand what the Christian faith is not about. You must understand what Christianity is not for you to understand what Christianity is. Okay? The first thing you want to understand is that Christianity, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter fourteen, reading from verse number seventeen. The Bible tells us there. He said, "The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, okay, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost." In other words, Christianity is not all fun and dandy. It is not all high, good. You know, everything is good. Uh, yeah, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the, everybody's happy. It is not God is going to meet all your, all your needs and you never have a problem in life. That is not Christianity. The Bible tells us, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. In other words, Christianity is not about deliverance from unfulfilled life. No. Though you might be delivered from your life, you might be delivered from unfulfilled life, but that is not the essence of the faith. Number two, Christianity is not about deb- relief from debilitating, uh, debilitating habits. It's not about delivering you from your bad habit. No. Though by the time you get encountered with your mighty God, by the time the Spirit of God start working in your life, habits that are, debil- are destructive, destructive habit might be broken, but that is not the essence of our faith. Christianity is not the restoration of control in your life and relationship. No. When the time when you come to Christ, you begin to learn the basics of how to live in good relationship and uh, in good relationship and live a happy life. You might begin to learn that. But that is not the essence of the faith. Christianity is not about building yourself well. It's, uh, it's not about building yourself building your self-esteem. That is not the essence of our Christian faith. It's not to build your self-esteem. It's not to rub your back and say, okay, because your daddy didn't hug you very much when you are growing up, so God will not start hugging you. That is not the essence of our faith. That is not the essence of faith. Christianity is not about building up your skill to self-esteem. There are those who want us to believe that the purpose of salvation is behavioral modification. No! Salvation is not about behavioral modification. Salvation is not about the therapy of sin. No! Salvation is deliverance from sin. That's what salvation is. It is not about rehabilitation of people. It's about transformation of life. And if you don't understand the differences between these things, it is possible for us to begin to focus on the wrong thing. Okay? The message of the cross for some people is that Christ came so that you can have a fulfilled life. Yes! You will have a fulfilled life when you are connected to the Almighty God, but that is not the essence of our faith. That is not the essence of our faith. This idea of salvation by, uh, you know, this idea of salvation by poly, salvation by survey is attractive in an environment that is dominated by self-indulgence and, and extreme, uh, extreme selfishness. That is where those things are possible. But God himself, his intention is for us, not, is not for us to begin to say, live a life of self-indulgence. The Bible tells us that the purpose of our salvation is the deliverance from sin, which is rebellion against God. That is the reason why God came. Okay, That is the reason why we got, why, 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 uh, why, Jesus Christ came. Staying focused will be difficult if we do not understand the essence of our faith. What then is the essence of our faith? Matthew chapter 1. Reading from verse number 21. Matthew 1.21. The Bible says she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sin.
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. We invite you to join us for our monthly Fresh Encounter prayer conference every last Saturday of the month from 12 noon until 3 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.